0: Welcome to the Venture Church Podcast. This sermon is from the life of the church. For more messages like this, please see our website www.venturechurch.co.za. We hope you enjoy this message. I want to share, uh, this is not part of our James series, but I want to be sharing with you why we have value. I know that's a given, I know that it's something that's That is taken as a given. Of course, we have value, we see value in ourselves because we inherently realize that there is a value in us because we're alive. There are sadly those who see little to no value. But the scripture makes an interesting point, or Jesus in this case makes an interesting point in the gospel when he said, Nobody hates their own body, but we feed and clothe it. And There are those who say we have feel no value in ourselves but still do that. Sadly, there are those who feel they have no value or are overwhelmed by their circumstances and the devil lies to them about taking their own lives. But I want to share this morning that there is a real biblical basis for us seeing that we have value. And interestingly enough, if I understand the scripture correctly, that value begins and starts at our conception that it is something that is in us even though sin that is in the world and sin that we comply with by working it out and sinning bars and, and, and breaks and corrupts but I'm getting ahead of myself. So I want to answer a couple of questions around that as well. What is the extent Of who has value. In other words, does everybody have value? Or do we believe that we only have value as uh, as Christians once we've come to Christ? I want to answer the question, to what extent um, to what extent and will we be held accountable for this value that I'm going to say is in us? And What is this value and what is the extent of this value that that I mentioned just now? What, uh, what What effect has sin had on our value? And I'd like to start by reading Isaiah 61. As I was preparing for this and I felt the Lord laid it on my heart, he quickly brought me to Isaiah 61. So I've been mulling over this chapter for most of the week and this is where I want us to start. Uh, because it's such a core foundational scripture that has come out over and over again in the last almost 35 years that what is now Venture Church has been in existence. God has spoken the scripture to us over and over again and I just felt the Lord remind, remind me this is where I want you to start in terms of this. So Isaiah 61, I'm going to read from the ESV today. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To those who are bound, not to those who are bound. This, of course, is a scripture that Jesus quotes in Luke 4 when he's uh, back in Nazareth. He quotes this scripture and says, today in your hearing, this scripture is fulfilled. He appropriated it, not because it wasn't already about him, but he said, I want you to realize that what God spoke through Isaiah, that has been fulfilled right now in your hearing, right here and right now. And of course, that truth remains true of Jesus for us right now. But look how Isaiah describes the the servant of the Lord, Jesus, but Isaiah didn't know Jesus as Jesus. He knew him as the servant of the Lord when God revealed these to him in the 8th century BC. He was the one who would bring good news. We love to talk about that and think about that and communicate it to one another as preach the good news. And that is true. It is a preaching of the good news. And Jesus did a lot of preaching and teaching. Preaching and teaching. I'll see more on that in a second. But There is a reality in which Jesus brought the good news because he is the good news. He didn't just bring one aspect. It wasn't just about a preaching ministry. He brought the good news. He was the good news. And the good news was expressed in him discipling the apostles. His The good news was, um, was expressed in him physically being amongst the people. His good news, or the good news that he brought, which was him, was expressed in his healings, his deliverances, the words of knowledge and wisdom that he expressed and brought transformation and deliverance to people through as well as his preaching and teaching. And we've embraced the preaching and teaching, or especially the preaching, but we haven't quite seen it as holistically as was the reality in Jesus. The servant of the Lord, Isaiah said, will bring good news. Everything that they are and everything that they do, everything that Jesus is and everything he says and does is the good news. And this was the key thought that I really felt the Lord wanting to Uh, to share with us as the the, the foundation of what I want to go on and say uh, this morning. Because as we look to answering this question about what is the basis, the biblical basis for us saying, I have value and you have value. The biblical basis takes us right back to the beginning, to Genesis, to Genesis, Bereshit, in Hebrew and we need to turn over to um, Genesis chapter 1 and read I'm going to read a well-known passage to us but I uh, just pull out three points from it and then reaffirm what they mean for us so Genesis 1 I'm going to read verses 26 through 31 and I'm gonna read it again from the ESV then God said Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over the livestock and over all the earth and and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. In other words, everything. He's spelling it out to say everything. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. and to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. My three headlines from this passage are from verse 26. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And then from the end of verse 27, male and female, he created them. And then verse 31 at the end, it was very good. This is God's revelation of how he created humanity. It is his disclosure because he was there in the beginning and we weren't there until he created us. But this was God's revelation of What was important. I'm sure there were a tremendous number of other details that he chose to omit as he revealed this to Moses. But these are the things that he wanted to highlight to focus on so that we understood what was important in his creation. And there's actually a number of, quite a number of other things in here, but these three headlines I want to focus on as I look to answer this question about what is the biblical basis for our value. The first part of understanding what is the biblical basis of our value and what that value actually is is in verse 26 let us make man in our image in our likeness and man there is not the specific male man it is that sounds terrible it's not the person who delivers post either it is the it is humanity it is the generic term that encompasses all of homo sapiens and god says This is the distinctive or this is the primary characteristic that is going to uh, determine that's going to to characterize our creation, my creation of humanity that it is going to be, they're going to be made in our image after our likeness. That second clause is an explanation of the first. Well. There's been a lot of questions asked about what this means, and I don't want to spend too much time talking about it. Suffice it to say one point on either side. On one side, there is the fact that God is not physical. So what what does the image of God mean? It's not necessarily a physical characteristic, and yet the language is very physical. Maybe that second phrase, after our likeness, kind of sheds a bit of, of explanation on there because it's about character. On the other side, it is very clear that what defines, what makes humanity unique is being image bearers of God. And in fact, as you as you look through here, this seems to be, even before having dominion, the primary responsibility, meaning, identifying factor of what humanity, how humanity is defined. We are image bearers of God that's what sets us apart and because we are image bearers of God that is the foundation, the root of where our value is established. Now if you if you have always thought that your value was somehow inherent in what you in your maybe in your um, ancestry where you've come from in your spiritual or physical pedigree in your gifting in your skills or in what you've been able to achieve this may come as a tough uh, below to to your ego, but our value is rooted not in something that we've developed or something that um, that we see as inherent to who we are or that has been passed down from our ancestors, but it is in the image of God in us and in being image bearers. And There's a lot more that can and has been said about this, but I really just want to hold before you the fact that our value is in the fact that we bear the image of God in us. Well, uh, and sorry before I move on to that I want to pick up on the end of verse 27 because there have been teachings, and be thankful if you've not been exposed to them, but there have been teachings which take that man in verse 26 as being the male, Adam, and um, but verse 27, God spells it out very clearly, probably for us in the 21st century, just because he was able to see ahead. Male and female, he created them. Man and women are God's image bearers. And because of that, we have this same value in us, deposited in us, created as an inherent integral part of who we are that is. No, I'm going to jump ahead of myself if I say that, so I'll come back. But we have this image bearing as an integral part of who and what we are as male and female. When we look at Genesis 1 and then look over again at Genesis 2 and 3, it's like being on Google Maps. So, I love maps, if you ask my wife, she'll tell you about this. And every now and then, when I'm feeling like I, when I've, when I've heard of an interesting place, I mean, I heard about a, a fascinating place, which I discovered afterwards is somewhere in the Bahamas, um, I immediately wanted to go and find it. You get on Google Maps and you you go and see where it is. Now, if you just put the address in, it takes you from where you are and it's, it kind of zooms you right in uh, on what you're doing. So if you're looking for a country, particularly if it's a big country like the USA, then you get a big picture. But this particular country that that I found um, is basically a set of islands. And the biggest island is about 10 or 15 Ks long. So I didn't get this big picture at all. And Genesis 1, is like having being able to see the whole globe it's being able to see the big picture of creation and Genesis 2 and 3 he's now click click zoomed in on more of the detail of how he created humanity some people see the details of Genesis 2 and Genesis 1 as being incompatible but They are just an issue or just a question of a focus, of zoom level. Is it the big picture or is it right zooming in to the detail? And in Genesis 2 we get more of the detail. In fact, if we read Genesis 2 honestly, who created Eve? The fact that he chose to take Eve from the man doesn't make a woman any less part of God's creation. It identifies the fact that male and female, we are one, we come from the, we have the same origin, we have the same creator, God just did it slightly differently. And just in case you hadn't noticed that, have a look at somebody of the opposite sex, hopefully who's sitting with you now, and you'll realize they're pretty different physically, mentally, but they are the same as image bearers of God. And right then at the end in verse 31, God sums up his creation of humanity on the sixth day. And he says, it was very good. This has been a a literary theme of these verses up till this point for each of the days. God looked at what he had done at the end of the day and he said, it is good. It is good. It is good. It is good it is good. And now he gets to reviewing day six and he says, it is very good. What does that tell us? That humanity as image bearers were the pinnacle of God's creation. Hebrews picks up on the fact that day seven, God rested from all his labor. And it talks about how we too should rest from our labor. So we We need to embrace the fact that our value, our inherent value, is rooted in the image of God, the fact that we are image bearers. So what does that mean in terms of sin? Because Genesis 3, the scripture talks about sin entering the world and God says, you will surely die when you eat of the fruit. But clearly he wasn't talking about physical death because they continued to physically live. But they were separated from God physically and spiritually. Physically in that, in that they were um, expelled from the garden, from the very presence of God, and spiritually in that they didn't have consistent ongoing exposure to the very presence of God. So sin kills spiritually. Sin therefore impacts our ability to accurately bear the image of god but just as we don't physically die when we sin at least not initially or not usually initially but when uh, but sin kills us spiritually and eventually leads to physical and then eternal death so the image of god in us is destroyed, is eroded, is corrupted by sin in us. It never, it doesn't go, but it is broken. We no longer accurately reflect the God in whose image we were created. So if, as I've said, our value is based in being image bearers of God, do we lose our value when we sin? Well, yes and no. Yes, in that we no longer reflect uh, the image of God accurately, but no, in the fact that that image is not gone from us. It's not, it hasn't been somehow ripped out of us, but it no longer clearly reflects what uh, it was created to. So when, when I meet someone who I don't physically connect with, or even who physically uh, disgusts me, Forgive me for being so honest, um, and it does happen occasionally because of social conditioning and all sorts of other factors. but when that happens, I have to remind myself that this is another human being who is valuable because of the image of God in them, but who is in the current situation um, has been ravaged by the effects. Of sin and therefore that image in them gives them value but it also reflects their desperate need for the gospel to come to them and we need to bring the gospel yes we need to preach yes we need to teach Jesus didn't just preach the gospel like kind of like an event, but he taught the gospel. Hey, these are the implications. This is how it works out. He brought the gospel in the the healings and the discipling and and all these other things that made up his life as a whole. All of it was Jesus bringing the gospel. And if we are image bearers and having received Christ, we should be um, radiating and bearing that image even more and even better. than we did certainly as unbelievers, but more and more on a daily basis. That's where we're growing too, to being more and more accurate image bearers of God as we were originally created to be and as we are destined to be in the future. As we do that, as we bring the gospel, it changes everything. Two seconds worth, certainly not two minutes worth of history. When the social gospel became a major thing about a hundred years ago, we lost, we as believers lost sight of the fact that the gospel has a practical as well as a spiritual impact and implication. And we're so terrified in getting caught up in in the social gospel and that it swallows our spiritual reality of Jesus that we've kind of, made a, a, a false artificial dividing between the practical realities of the gospel and the spiritual realities of the gospel. And the problem with that is not that that the spiritual reality is wrong, it is, it's essential, but it's the fact that we're terrified and therefore do nothing about the practical reality of bringing the gospel. As Jesus once said, you need to do the former without neglecting the latter. We need to do the one without the other. We need to embrace the wholeness. And there may be some learning adjustments we need to make in order to not allow the one to swallow the, 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 the practical aspects of the gospel, the, to swallow our spiritual life. But at the moment, for many of us, the spiritual reality of the gospel has swallowed any practical reality. The ultimate of that, which I'm not aware that anybody in the life of the church has has embraced, but the ultimate of that is where nothingness swallows everything (laughs) and that we see Oh, religion as a private thing. No, it is not. It is an all-consuming, life-enveloping reality. When the gospel comes to us, it transforms everything that we are. We don't do good things to try and earn favor with God. We do good things because we have received good things and the good news has come to us. And that is the basis. And why do we do do it? Because we are image bearers. And look at God. He has just given and given and given and given good things. So we need to embrace the wholeness of of who God has revealed himself to be, because we have a basis that is outside of how somebody looks or smells, what language they speak, what, what ethnic uh, background they have, the pigmentation of their skin. All of these things are, are become secondary to the fact that as a human being, they are an image bearer of God. I am an image bearer of God. And God's purpose and plan for me and for them is to shine the light of Almighty God everywhere we go. So, just a quick couple, repeating a quick couple of points that I've already made in passing. Equality and the value of the sexes. As soon as we try and base value in ourselves, uh, in some characteristic of ourselves, other, than being image bearers of God, we get into trouble. So are men and women equal? Well, what does that mean? It means uh, biblically that we are co-heirs of Christ. But are we the same, which is what, um, physically the same, mentally the same, uh, which is what is often meant when uh, when we talk about equality? Well, no. But God, the scripture we just read, says he created them male and female. We are intended to both be image bearers, but it is our differences that we are supposed to celebrate. Our differences we like to focus on as being so different rather than being complementary. God created us male and female from the outset specifically so that we could celebrate our differences. And it is in Christ that we find our value as image bearers and as co heirs of Christ. Skin color, as a myth of God's curse, it is, <laughs> it is a, uh, it's a, mm, dare I say, a heresy that has come up in the life of the church over the last 2,000 years many times. That one uh, skin color, one ethnic group has said that a different skin color or a different ethnic group is uh, is cursed or linked to this or linked to that. Again, the image of Christ in us or, or the image of God being image bearers and being made in the likeness of God is not about pigmentation. It is about the image of the invisible God, the character of the invisible God, the ways of the invisible God becoming our ways and being worked out in bringing the good news, the whole thing. It's fallacy that because somebody looks different, not just based on gender, but based on skin pigmentation, and whatever other uh, subtle physical distinctions there may be between us as human beings, that that because of that, we're anything less than homo sapiens, we're anything less than human. Again, the basis of our value is in being image bearers of God. And that is a reality, whether we are a rank heathen or the most gloriously spirit-filled believer in Jesus imaginable. The image looks different, yes, but it is still there in both of us. And God, the God who did the work in the believer is the same God who wants to be at work in the unbeliever. Our value is rooted in being image bearers of God. So what is our responsibility as image bearers? First of all, we need to stand for Truth, and this is not a passive thing we don't need to go looking for problems I don't know if you've ever found this problems have a way of finding us so we don't go looking for problems but we need to stand for the truth this truth that we've been talking about now that uh, the value is rooted in being an image bearer of God whether you're male or female whatever color your skin may be we need to stand for truth. We cannot, we think we can, but we cannot sit on the fence. If you sit on the fence, you're actually sitting on one side of the fence and not on the fence itself. Be intentional. Stand for truth. We must stand up and take a stand. We cannot listen to conversations that do not reflect the image of Christ and undermine the image of God and that inherent value in others and remain silent. When we do, we are not reflecting the God in whose likeness we were created. We have to stand for truth. Secondly, we can't stand by in the crowd. When stuff is going down, we can't be bystanders i've experienced this negatively in my own life sometimes i've seen things where i knew i needed to take a stand and i ha- and i didn't it is super easy but i have made a decision that i will no longer be that fence sitter i will no longer be part of the crowd and i've been walking in that for quite some time it's not easy But as an image bearer of God, I cannot be part of the crowd. Think of the woman who reached out and touched the corner of Jesus' cloak. Even in the midst of the crowd, she stood out because she took hold of Jesus. That's what an image bearer does. That's who an image bearer is. We cannot just hide in the crowd. We have to, because we have an answer, we do know what we should do. We have to take a stand and not hide in the crowd. And thirdly, we can't let the fear of man hold us back. This is such a challenge for all of us. Pride, which basically boils down to fear, so often overcomes us and prevents us from being good image bearers of God. We, it And that boils down to the fact that we care more about other people's opinions of us than we do of God's opinion of us. Have you ever asked God what his opinion is of you? Have you ever looked in the scripture to see what the scripture says God's opinion of you is? God sees you with all of the stark, naked harshness of our sin, and he still accepts you based on the work of Jesus on the cross. That is amazing. We can't even do that for ourselves. We cannot confront the reality of just, of the ravages of sin in our lives with the kind of deep honesty that God does. We can't do that about ourselves, let alone about somebody else, but God does that for all of us. We cannot let the fear of man dominate and dictate who we are and where we're going. So in conclusion, God's servant is the one who bears, who brings good news in all of its aspects. And I think that often we are afraid to speak because we haven't been living. We focus on us and not on God himself. If we are image bearers, it's because of God that we share the gospel. If we are image bearers, it's because of God that we give to the poor and needy. It's about God. Don't let it become too much about us. And if we are God's servant, we bring the whole good news. We can only do that effectively, bringing the whole good news, when we see people as created in the image of God. When we see the fact that this is a creation of Almighty God in whom He has deposited this image-bearing characteristic. And when we see how broken and marred it can be in certain people, if we see it as the image of God and being an image-bearer, then we can have compassion. We can see past and see past the, the looks, get past. Uh, the smells get past whatever else separates us from them because we can see the image of God in them even when that image is broken and distorted by sin and we must take a stand no one else will God has given you a destiny he has called you to stand for truth can't be part of the crowd it needs to be you it needs to be me so i'm going to lead us in prayer and i challenge you to respond to jesus he's going to give you opportunity that's going to challenge you it's going to give your uh, your pride a knock maybe And it's going to make you feel uncomfortable, but he's going to give you that opportunity because this is his will, his purpose and his way. So I encourage you. The scripture says, consider the cost of building a tower before you start. So I'm not painting a a rosy picture, but I'm painting the picture of what God wants to do in you and me. So let's pray. Almighty God, I thank you that you have made us, created us as image bearers, as your image bearers. We embrace the fact that our value is rooted and grounded in you. We also confess to you that we want to do a good job of reflecting you, of showing your likeness. Thank you that you still use us. And thank you that you overcome sin in us so that we can be good image bearers. Open our hearts and our minds to see those who don't know you, to see those who who maybe look different, who uh, speak different, who are just generally different, and see them as divine image bearers, whether marred by the effects of sin or as brothers and sisters trying with all your power that works so powerfully within them to be good image bearers of Jesus alive in them. And if you're listening to this and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, then but you've as you've been listening to this, you realize that there is a there is something outside of what you've done and who you are, both good or bad. That is the basis for your values. And as you've been listening, there's been a a responding in your heart, a churning. You can get right with God right now. And I'd love to lead you in prayer. So if you wanna pray that, do so right now. Just pray along with me. Jesus, I come to you in faith. I thank you for what you bought and achieved for me on the cross and I receive you as my Saviour and Lord. I thank you that you've not just dealt with my past, but that you give me a new glorious and eternal future. Thank you for the value that you've put in me and I choose to focus or put my focus on you. Thank you that you see me as valuable and worthwhile. And so Lord, we commit all of ourselves to you open the eyes of our hearts that we may see one another with the value that you have deposited in each and every single one of us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that it was a blessing to you. If you want to connect with us further, log on to our website, venturechurch.co.za. Or connect with us on our various social pages, Instagram and Facebook.